Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. My pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I'm going to tell you about something that may help you avoid product shortages and empty shelves. I figured this out in my personal life and want to share. Later, I have some important info for you to consider when you sign up for health insurance through your employer. So the shortages are appearing so many different ways in our life. Costco now has restrictions on how much toilet paper and paper towels you can buy. And you go in a supermarket, and where usually you're used to seeing the shelves just chock-a-block full, there are a lot of empty spaces. And for some reason... A reason I don't know, maybe you know, Krista, the item that is in the shortest supply of anything in the marketplace right now is sports drinks, Hmm. Gatorade and Powerade. I don't know. Suddenly, everybody working out a lot more? I don't know. (laughs) why. It's soccer and football season and other seasons, I'm sure, too. But but why would those two items be in greater short supply than anything else. I, I, I don't know. But I will tell you that there's something you need to know about the supply chain is that we're so used to everything being available all the time. And I mentioned this back in the summer that we're back to more historical patterns where you go into stores and what they have is what they have versus what we become so used to with worldwide distribution systems that everything's available all the time until it wasn't and isn't now. But there is an unequal situation going on. So my wife, Lane, and my son love basmati rice. Something, ironically enough, I can't eat because for some reason it gives me an anaphylactic reaction. I don't know why. But anyway, they love it in these packs that you stick in the microwave and 90 seconds later you got rice. And so it'll be a snack or it'll be a quick meal, whatever. Or it'll be something that's added to other food. So these 90-second rice packs are really hard to find when you go around shopping. And particularly, for some reason, basmati is one that is routinely in short supply. So I'm doing shopping at the supermarket, working from my wife's list, that she texts me on my phone, then she'll send another text, so I forgot this and add that. And she said, buy all the basmati rice packs they have. So I go over there, and all the packs they had were one. And Uncle Ben's 
Basmati 92nd rice pack. So then later that day, I had to make a deposit at Navy Federal Credit Union. And the branch I went to was inside a Walmart. So I thought, you know what? I should go see if they have any of this rice that Lane and Grant both love so much. And I could have bought enough of those rice packs to feed a high school. I mean, there were a zillion of them there. Go to one place, they have one and nothing behind it. And go to Walmart and they've got just like a truckload of it. So it was like supermarket sweepstakes. I keep pulling off the shelf and then I realize, no, chill, chill. Got to leave some for other people. And I didn't want to be part of that whole hoarding thing. So I bought 10 of them. And they were also, interestingly enough, at Walmart, they were less than half the price of what I'd paid at the regional supermarket. And the same day I read a story in the Financial Times of London about how the advantage in this shortage phase is going to the biggest retailers in the world, that they are in a position to be able to get inventory. The regional players are having difficulty. They're getting shorted. And so I read these stories about how a regional supermarket chain will order who knows how many thousand dozen or something, and they get shorted to 10% of what they've ordered. And it's late too. But the big players are, I guess, so important to the manufacturers that they're getting the production runs. In addition, Costco has now rented a bunch of containerized cargo, uh, you know, the containers, the ships, all that, so they can uh, short-circuit the supply chain disruptions of the goods coming from overseas and handle part of their own distribution to get goods on the shelf. I think I mentioned recently Costco's furniture event that is normally completed in June you go into a Costco now, you see furniture on the floor in October because the stuff never came in time for the late spring event. And they're just putting it on the floor when it comes. So everything is kind of turned topsy-turvy right now. And there's not going to be any one answer to how we get the inventory of, in my uh, family's thing, the beloved basmati rice um, but th- there's enough goods out there that none of us are going hungry because of a lack of distribution of items it means we have to be flexible and we have to shift and when they have this we buy this when they have that we buy that and it's all going to be fine the supply chain disruptions are going to take maybe a whole nother 18 months to really work their way through the system for every different item. But we're going to get there, and you don't need to have every roll of toilet paper in North America stored in your house somewhere. All right, this question is from Armand in Georgia. Clark, I need your help. I'm hoping to get engaged soon, but my girlfriend Congratulations, wants- Congratulations, Armand. Yes, congrats. 
but my girlfriend wants a specific size diamond engagement ring, lab created, thankfully. But I'm so lost with all this and would love any tips you have on how to go about the buying process. How do I get a good deal? All right. So first of all, I want to say something that some people find so unromantic, but the best deals on diamonds in the marketplace tend to be used diamonds. Uh, in other words, um, for whatever reason, that diamond Post-divorce. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, is yeah. for sale again. And a diamond in the resale market goes for a fraction of the price. If you look at high-end sellers like the Real Real and their competitors, you'll see that um, diamonds sell for a fraction of retail as the second, third, whatever number buyer you are buying that diamond. And with the high-end resellers, you're going to find larger carat weight diamonds. I don't know what size diamond you're interested in, but let's go to the lab createds. The lab createds sell for the larger the diamond, the fraction of the price they are from buying a dug-out-of-the-earth diamond. And remember, these lab created diamonds are chemically identical to one dug-out-of-the-earth. And so I was able to buy lane a pair of one carat weight each uh what do you call the studs studs yeah diamond studs yeah classic and they were so cheap buying lab created and she knew that i bought them lab created and they are gorgeous and they were about one-fifth the price of buying dug out of the earth diamonds and the price difference will vary depending on the circumstance, the size of the diamond, and all the rest. But with the lab-created diamond sellers, you just go on the websites. They're graded by uh, color clarity and obviously carat weight. They have the various cuts, and it's becoming more of a commodity where you're able to compare site to site to site and see the quality of diamond and the size And you'll find that your dollar is going to stretch so far. I know traditional jewelers turn their noses up at the lab-created diamond market. Who cares? Because what matters is your girlfriend, when she is your fiancé, is going to have that gorgeous-looking rock on that finger. Nobody's going to say, so what lab did you get that from? (laughs) This is from Rhonda in Michigan. I have a 1995 Honda Accord EX wagon that I bought new. I have only 131,000 miles on it. Wow, you do. Okay, wait, <laughs> let me, I got to do this. I know, years. mind-blowing. Oh, my goodness. You drive like only 5,000 miles a year, if my quick math is right. Wow. Okay. Impressive. Uh, What I'm concerned about is what's the best way to learn about the new safety devices on currently manufactured cars. The car has, her car has no computer in it since it was made before they put computers in, in 1996. I would really like to know how I can turn the devices off since I don't like the idea that a computer is making decisions that the owner should be making. When I finally buy a new car, maybe next year, I want to be prepared. Okay, Rhonda, um, I want to tell you, a lot of the safety devices that are in the vehicles now that would be completely different than yours from 25 
years ago are phenomenal. They save lives. And some of them do intervene in ways that may be uncomfortable for you, automatic emergency braking. In a lot of vehicles, you can override those settings. And it depends on each vehicle if you can shut those off. But I would recommend that you not shut them off because these things can react quicker than a human. And there will be the occasional Frankenstein kind of thing where the vehicle puts you in more danger because of all the automatic emergency features. But I would recommend that you go read Consumer Reports briefing on the various safety devices on vehicles and why they feel this one's really important, this one's not, this one's ready for prime time, that one's not. Uh, Because it's my opinion that these safety devices have even changed the advice that I give people who have a new teenage driver, where I used to recommend buying a teenager an old beat-up car because of the insurance cost of a new one, and now the safety features on those vehicles make that kid, that new inexperienced driver, much, much safer on the road. So I understand the concerns about all the computer technology that cars basically are rolling computer chips, but most of those devices that have been added are actually to the good for the good. So please take the time to read Consumer Reports. From Richard in Georgia, I bought a Blink camera system at the beginning of 2020. I let my tenants use it. I did not know that it would be registered to their account and would be unusable for me. I have other camera systems and have never run into this problem. Long story short, the tenant passed and we had oh, to no. evict the son. I tried to set up the cameras and get a message that, and got a message that the security number is in use. The serial number is in use. I contacted Blink on social media and on phone support. They refused to reset the serial numbers. They can see it has not been in use for over a year. Please tell me what to do and warn your audience about this. Richard, you know, this is a thing going on. Blink is an Amazon product and Amazon sells enormous amounts of surveillance cameras, security systems, you name it for the homes. And the reason they do it is to aid Amazon selling products to you. And Amazon sells you the hardware, but they still are completely in control of it. So your blink cameras are basically useless at this point because you don't have access to the username and the passwords. Now, you talked about um, having wise cams. I know this sounds ridiculous, but basically trying to get Amazon's bureaucracy to bend on giving you control of those blank cameras is a lost cause. The wise cams are so inexpensive that if you need to buy more cameras, as wasteful as this is, Your blink cameras are basically doorstops at this point, and I know of no way to get around the Amazon brick wall on this other than buy some really inexpensive wise cameras to fill the same role for you. And, you know, by the way, if somebody has a better suggestion how to deal with Amazon on the blink cameras, please post it for me so that we can be of help to Richard 
in a way that I have failed to be of help. And next, open enrollment season is upon us. It's so many employers. There's something I want you to consider at open enrollment that you may not have thought about. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're lucky enough to have your health coverage through your employer, once a year you have open enrollment. And I find that most people don't really take any time at open enrollment time. They just without really thinking about it, just do the form in as few seconds as they can and don't look at the options available. And I want to talk about something that, I mean, this is everybody who does financial advice says the same thing I'm about to say, but mostly it falls on deaf ears. But hope springs eternal. So here I go again. I want you to look at going into an HSA-qualified high-deductible health plan if your employer offers you that as an option. Now, high-deductible plans terrify people because of the out-of-pocket you're potentially exposed to. And I get that. And if you were to switch this open enrollment to an HSA-eligible high-deductible health plan, which what that means in English is if you have a uh, high-deductible health plan that has a lot of features required to trigger eligibility for you to have this second thing called a health savings account, an HSA, you then have access to the greatest tax-free account that we're offered. And if you are self-employed and you're not doing an HSA-eligible plan, you're missing a great opportunity for yourself because with the HSA, you get an upfront tax benefit, the money grows in the HSA tax-free, and then you spend it tax-free when you use it for eligible medical expenses. It is even better for your wallet than my beloved Roth IRA. And that's saying something to move front of the line past the Roth. But then on top of it, if you're doing open enrollment in an employer, many times they will give you money to go into that HSA that then covers a portion of that deductible you're taking on going into the high deductible health plan. 
So the theory of the high deductible health plans is that we become better consumers of medical care. The reality is the medical industry has not cooperated, even hospitals defying overwhelmingly the laws requiring price disclosure. So it's hard for you to do the comparison shopping. So how would you decide if you should follow Financial Advice 101, which is to go into an HSA-eligible high-deductible plan instead of the traditional health plan offered by your employer. And the way you decide is the medical usage of you and your family members. If someone has a chronic medical condition that requires continuous medical care, then it's a bad idea to go into a high-deductible health plan. If you have multiple family members who are on a first-name basis with medical providers because you're at the doctor of some kind all the time, this is a really bad idea for you. On the other hand, if you go very infrequently for medical care, you're in really solid health, then you want to look at going into an HSA-eligible high-deductible plan. And the beauty of the HSA is that if you don't need the money for current medical care, you can invest it in ultra-low-cost fidelity funds or Vanguard funds or whatever, and you build up a big amount of money through the years that, again, you got an upfront tax advantage for it, and you get tax-free spending of it later in life when you get, well, your body starts falling apart and you have more medical expenses. And so you're doing those with tax-free dollars, pre-tax dollars that grew tax-free that you then spend tax-free. It's really cool. One other thing I want you to look at that people overwhelmingly ignore is disability insurance. Disability insurance, if your employer offers it, Long-term disability insurance is a really valuable thing because you never know when something may happen that prevents you from being able to work, and the risk of that is much higher during your working years than you passing away. Krista? This is from Micah in Montana. I'm going to have hernia surgery in the next couple of months. I was wondering what additional insurance I should purchase just in case something goes wrong. I already have life insurance, which should cover everything if I were to die, but I'm thinking, what if they make a mistake that will cause me long-term problems from the surgery? Please be aware that in the state of Montana, it's almost impossible to sue a doctor for medical malpractice. If you're lucky enough that the review board lets you sue a doctor, the payouts are so small that it's almost not worth your time suing them in the first place, and it probably will never completely cover the cost of your injury. So first of all, Micah, I want you to know that the chances that something's going to go wrong with a hernia procedure, teensy tiny. The recovery takes some time. And I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast, but I'm going to have to have a hernia operation as well. And I keep putting it off. And every year when I go for my annual physical, my doctor says, why have you not scheduled your hernia surgery. And the reason is, is you got some significant downtime 
after the surgery. So I've been trying to think through the calendar, Krista, when you're going to let me go do that. <laughs> so there'll be no podcast for a while when I have to schedule that. I, I just want to say that, Micah, that I've got to go through the same thing you're going to have to go through. And it's not generally a risky surgery. But if you are worried about it, this dovetails with what I was just talking about with benefits. Regardless, if this is what gets you to buy long-term disability insurance, then it's good because people are frightfully uninsured for long-term disability, which again, you have three times greater chance of becoming disabled during your key working years than dying during your key working years. So if the prospect of having the hernia operation makes you focus on getting disability insurance, that would provide you with a replacement of income in the event something did go wrong with the surgery, not likely, or something else unexpected happens in your life and you can't go to work. Um, If you have it available through your employer, that's the easiest place to buy disability insurance, but you can look for a disability insurance broker in Montana who can write a policy for you. This is from Mutt in Minnesota. Clark, what are your thoughts on banking and investing apps on your phone? It seems like two-factor authentication usually uses the phone, either email or text. So if the phone is lost or stolen, someone may have pretty much access to all of your accounts. Oh, you're so right. And so the question is, do you have your phone password protected? If you don't, and you're relying on two-factor authentication for banking or any of a variety of things, please set up security on your phone. On my phone, it reads my um, fingerprint, thumbprint, Mm -hmm. and if that fails, I can put in a code, a pen to override it. Others have the phones that, well, mine will do the facial recognition. It'll do, you've got the choice of those things. But that's the most important way to protect. The big problem with two-factor authentication is when somebody steals your service, not your phone, they hijack what's known as hijack your SIM, and your phone now rings to them, not to you. And this is a big security hole with T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon, where sophisticated criminals have been able to take over your cell phone number, they're not interested in your phone. They're just interested in your number. So we can't protect against every possibility or every eventuality, but it is a good precaution to use the apps provided by brokerages and banks because there's extra security with that versus accessing on a laptop and having two-factor authentication set up. From Elaine in Florida, we have T-Mobile and a vacation house in a rural area of Florida. My husband is planning to buy a $1,000 booster so we can get internet on our laptop and other devices with our hotspots. We already have two boosters provided by T-Mobile. Is this the only way to be able to get a decent signal, and will it really solve the problem? He has talked to T-Mobile, and they've not suggested anything else. Currently, the signal goes in and out. Sometimes it's it's strong and fast, and others non-existent. I think my husband is wasting his money. We really don't need to be on the Internet that much. We have Dish TV, and so do not need the Internet for streaming. 
So, Elaine, uh, I wouldn't say that it's a waste, but I would not buy the $1,000 booster. The better option would be to look at T-Mobile's home internet or Verizon's version of home internet. Verizon's version, since you're not a Verizon customer for wireless, would be $70 a month. T-Mobile is a T-Mobile customer right now is $50 a month, and it provides you a connection that is stronger than you're going to get from your cell phones and gives you unlimited internet at that kind of price. Um, You also soon will have the choice of Starlink, which is a satellite-based high-speed internet, but you have to spend a lot of money up front for equipment. I like the idea of you doing the T-Mobile or Verizon. In a lot of markets, Verizon will send a technician to your vacation home and they will attach a device outside your home. It'll take them a while to install, but it will dramatically improve the signal of the internet, and it would give you a backup. You'd have your cell phones on T-Mobile. You'd have Verizon for high-speed internet. And both T-Mobile and Verizon are getting more and more aggressive at providing what's known as fixed wireless internet to the home. And I want to tell you something i can't thank you enough for being a part of team clark i hope you'll share this episode with others and if you're not subscribing to our podcast yet please do so